Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Let's get into the word this morning. Uh, We've got 34 minutes minus five seconds. So what I'm going to do, I I just want to share some things that have been kind of mulling around in my heart this last last week. There's been a phrase that's been going on in my heart. If you look in 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon, David's son, and his successor, has an encounter with the Lord. They sacrifice unto the Lord. Uh, He makes a sacrifice unto the Lord, and he has an encounter with the Lord, and the Lord says, ask me anything you will. Now, you gotta understand, this sacrifice was like a thousand oxen. I mean, it was an amazing uh, sacrifice that he made. And so in, he has this dream, and in this dream, he has an encounter. Now, you need to understand that you can have an encounter with God in a dream that has real-world impact. Because the Lord asks, says, ask of me whatever you would. Ask of me for anything. And he says to the Lord, he's, he has this interesting phrase. He said, God, I am but a child, and I don't know how to go out or come in. And so he said, give unto me wisdom to govern your people. They're they're numberless. I've got this great responsibility of leading these people. But he says this phrase, I don't know how to go out or come in. I've always been intrigued by that phrase and and wondered about it. What does that mean? I don't know how to go out or come in. Uh, So it just gripped me recently, so I started, just did a study on that phraseology. Uh, You know, it says of Moses at the end of his life, he said to Israel, he said, I am no longer able to go out or come in. So we knew it was time to pass the baton of leadership. So we understand from Solomon and Moses both that there is a leadership component to this phrase. That it's speaking of leadership and we understand from Solomon that there's a wisdom component. We understand from Moses that there was a strength component. That Moses is saying that I've gotten to the age where I no longer can carry out these duties. Matter of fact, some translations translate that phrase with those words, carry out my duties, which is a poor translation, by the way, because they're, they're jumping to some conclusions and only partially defining what that phrase means. When the disciples were looking to replace Judas among the apostles, one of the criterion they said is we need to find someone that was with us as Jesus went in and out among us. So we know there's a New Testament application of this phrase. It says of Paul that he went in and out among the disciples. And so we have this strange phrase. Uh, Matter of fact, when Saul distanced David from himself and said he sent him away because Saul was getting jealous and David, the anointing on David's life and the success of David's life irritated him, it says he sent him away and it says that David then went in and out before the people. Later on it says that David led Israel in and out. So what does this phrase mean? I don't fully know, but it's really intrigued me, and the Lord's challenged me. So let's pray, and then we'll go to lunch. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
I do think, among other things, there is an application the Lord wants us to look at this morning. So let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for the prayers that have already been prayed for me. But God, I want to pray to you, and I ask, Lord, that you'd speak to us. Father, I thank you for your presence that we felt here this morning. Lord, you're so good. And King Jesus, once again, we enthrone you with our worship. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. Challenge us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't have a lot of time to develop this, so let's jump to, I want to say it's Exodus chapter 3. Let's go there, Exodus chapter 3. I love this passage. It gripped me. Years ago, I was sitting on the front porch of my in-law's house in Mississippi under the magnolia tree on the porch swing and that, that in, early in the morning, and God spoke to me out of this passage. This was over tw- well over 20 years ago, but it just really touched me. Look at verse, three, or v- verse 1 of chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he had led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, but was not consumed. And Moses said, I will yet turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take the sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And he said to him, I am the God of, the fa- of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look. And so we have this strange encounter that Moses has with the Lord. And it always strikes me how the Lord calls his name, Moses, Moses, and as he draws near, he said, don't come any further. There's this juxtaposition of what, he, what Moses was feeling in his spirit, this drawing and this fear. And if you've ever been in God's presence, you know that feeling. It's like, I want to come near, but there's the, the fear of the Lord and that, that drawing. I'll, I'll never forget the first time I felt the fear of the Lord that I can recollect. I was 18 years old. I had just gone into Teen Challenge. I was a, I'd been a homeless alcoholic, had a radical encounter with Jesus, and I came into Teen Challenge. I was in there about a month, and a buddy of mine said, hey, let's have a revival. Now, we didn't understand having a revival was like trying to schedule a hurricane. You don't have a hurricane. You prepare for one, and you don't have a revival. You can do things to posture yourself, but you don't decide he does. But we were positioning ourselves, and God began to visit this bunch of young guys that were just barely saved coming out of drugs and alcohol. We began to wait on the Lord night after night, and one night, Jesus came into that room. Now, I don't want to lead you wrong. I didn't see him, but I definitely felt him. And I remember I was, my face was buried in the carpet, and I felt the fear of the Lord, and I thought, if I look up, I'll see him, and I will die. And that encounter changed my life, being in God's presence. I had been in God's presence the night I got saved. 
I just said his name and he entered the room and it broke me and I began to weep and I began to cry and then I began to laugh and then I began to speak in tongues and then I stopped and said, I better say the sinner's prayer. But this time was different. It was like he came in in his majesty, like I felt this morning. I don't know about you, but when we sang that song this morning and Kara began to sing out, I have nothing that's worthy of a king. It broke me. I thought, oh man, it's gonna be, it's a good thing we had a little space between the, preach, the worship and the preaching of the word because I had to get my composure. But he came in in his majesty that night. In those moments, your life will hinge on those encounters when he comes in. And there's something in us that we're aware of, what we, this, this desire, we, we know we were made for this, we wanna get near him, but there's something in our heart that feels not unworthy and God has to do a work in our heart. And you see that throughout scripture. You see it with Isaiah. He's drawn to come in, but then he, he realizes he's a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips, and he has to be touched by the coal off the altar. And so Moses is feeling this hunger I remember reading this years ago and it stood out to me. Moses was with the flock. He was taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. He was being responsible and something caught his eye up on a mountain. And it was a burning bush. And he took note, that thing is burning but it's not consumed. He was either close enough to understand it or it burned long enough for him to realize there's something different. There's something supernatural about what's going on on the side of that mountain. We don't know how long the bush was burning. We don't even know how many people saw it. But we know there was something in Moses' heart that it caught his attention. And listen to what it says. He looked and behold the bush was burning. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great light sight why the bush is not burned when the Lord saw now catch this when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called out of the bush Moses Moses God started a fire to catch his attention but he didn't say his name until Moses began to move towards the burning bush God responds to human hunger. Often God doesn't move until you do. We don't know how many people saw the bush. We don't know how long, how many times Moses saw it. But it wasn't until it turned aside. I'm telling you, there's not a word in this book that is by chance. And there's something about Moses turning aside. He made movement towards the bush that caused God to reveal himself. There was something to gain his attention, but he didn't say his name until he took movement towards the supernatural. There are a lot of people who think they're hungry for God, but they will not be inconvenienced in their pursuit. They think they're hungry as long as it is convenient. But I'm telling you, the ones that God really reveals himself to are the ones who are willing to be inconvenienced in their hunger. That if they hear of a burning bush and they've been disappointed before, but there's something in them say, I can't not go just in case this is the real thing. 
I remember a few years ago, Pastor John and Pastor Christopher went out on the East Coast because they'd heard about this move of God. They spent money to get there, and it was inconvenient. And when they got there, it wasn't what it seemed to have been. But I've heard that same hunger in their heart again and again. They were willing to go check it out. There was something about having an encounter with God that they were willing to be inconvenienced, willing to pay a price and get there. And God revealed himself to Moses when he made the move towards him. And the Lord told him, don't come any further, Moses. Take off your shoes. Now, we don't have time to get into what the deal was with the shoes, but I'll, let me just throw a couple ideas out to you and you can think about it and pursue it yourself. It could be, number one, that servants were always barefoot in that culture. Servants didn't wear shoes. And the only way to really approach him is as a servant. There come, you can only get so close to him with your shoes on. You can only get so close as a consumer. And then you got to get your shoes off and you got to come in as a servant. It could be that God didn't want anything between Moses and his work. Those sandals he was wearing were made by men, but the ground they stood upon was made by God. And there's something about his work is the only ground we can stand on to get near him. You can never get close to God on your own works. And so he gets, he comes to the Lord, and, and it's, it's interesting in this passage. This is what the Lord says. He said, I have, I have seen what's going on with my people. I have heard their cries, and I have come down. We don't think of God interacting like that. We know God is omniscient. He knows everything. We don't think of God listening and seeing and then arriving but there's something about this. God said, I have come down. There, there is the om, omnipresence of God theologically. God is everywhere present. But he's not everywhere equally present. There is something about his manifest presence. God is everywhere, but he's some places in greater measure. And that is a fact. And, then, and you've experienced it. This morning, I'm telling you, God was in our worship to a greater degree than he was in my bedroom when I woke up this morning. He was there. I felt he was speaking to me, but not like he was in worship. There was a greater measure of his presence. And there are times, there's things that happen that catch God's attention, that grip his affection. He says, I have seen, I have heard, I have come down. God was moved by the affliction of his people. He heard their cry. We've been praying in the mornings. And I'm telling you, God has seen what's going on in our nation. He's heard our cries. And God is going to come down. But all of that, as amazing as that is, God seeing, God hearing, God coming down, was not enough. He then said to Moses, and so I'm sending you an amazing thing that it wasn't enough for God to come down himself he needed a human agent to represent himself and God said so now I'm sending you 
God's answer was not merely him coming down. God's answer to the need for deliverance among the people of God was not just merely God coming down. That almost sounds heretical. It almost sounds blasphemous to say merely God coming down. That's an amazing thing. That God was emphasizing, I have changed my location I've shown up in a greater way in response to my people, yet that was not enough. He said, Moses, I'm going to send you. We've been praying. We've been crying out to the Lord. And I'm telling you, God is coming down. God is going to move in this nation. And it's not just this nation. There is a global cry for King Jesus to come. There was such heat on that phrase this morning, King Jesus. And there is a global cry for King Jesus to take hold of his inheritance. He's asked for the nations, and the Father is answering his heart cry. But the way he will do it is he's going to send you and I. And so Moses understood he needed to be able to come out and go in in order to continue his ministry. Solomon understood that the only way the, the only way that he could really govern the people, lead the people is if he had the wisdom to go out and come in. It says that David went out and came in before the people. There's something about this transitory life that David was living, going out, coming in, going out, coming in. And he did it before the people. It implies it was an example. He was, he was modeling something before the people. And then in turn, he would take the people. He would lead them out and lead them in. What does that mean? I believe one of the keys to this is here in this passage. That Moses had to learn if he was going to lead the people of God. Moses had been raised in royalty, then put on the backside of the desert for another 40 years, raised in royalty for 40 years. He was taught to think like a man with no limitations. He was taught to think like a man that, that had, he, he wasn't wondering where the next meal came from. He, was, he lived with abundance and with wisdom and, and was raised in that kind of atmosphere. Then he was sent on the backside of the desert for 40 years to learn to lead sheep. And after those 80 years of two segments of training, he has this encounter with the Lord. Many great preachers have, have used that as an analogy that he spent 40 years being trained in his flesh, 40 years being trained in his soul, so the last 40 years of his life he could lead in the spirit through his encounter with God. But I believe this little snapshot, the calling of Moses was like a template that was something that he would have to carry with him the rest of his life. That there was a, a picture of going out and coming in that he was going to have to realize. And it's crucial that you and I realize what was going on here. It's crucial that you and I master the ability to go out and come in before the Lord. You see, there was something in Moses that was willing to leave the flock to pursue the flame. To leave ministry to pursue intimacy. The danger of ministry, the danger of getting a touch from God, the danger of your hunger that you had this morning is it will result in you having an encounter with God. 
You say, well, pastor, why is that dangerous? Because of what that will result in. If you hunger and thirst, you shall be filled. It's just a matter of time. God's going to touch you. And what will happen is when God touches you, people will want to touch you. When you get something in God, God, people are going to want to get around you. And that's where the danger comes. Because all of ministry comes out of intimacy. If you haven't been with him, you have nothing to give them. If you haven't been alone with God, I was thinking this week about Samuel. The mark of young Samuel's life, it said, when, when the Lord called him, the Lord called him by name, Samuel, Samuel. And he thought Eli was calling him. And so finally Eli told him, you tell the Lord. He said, it's the Lord. You go back and when you hear it again, say, speak, Lord, thy servant hears. And that crystallized Samuel's life. He was a man who heard the word of the Lord. And it says at the end of that chapter, not one word of Samuel's ever fell to the ground. Why? Because Samuel first heard before he spoke. Samuel was one that was always listening for the word of the Lord. His life was a hearer. It says of John the Baptist, he was the voice of one calling in the wilderness. And there's a lot of people that want to be a voice, but they've not yet been an ear. (laughs) We don't have anything to say unless we've been with him. And when we've been with him, God begins to minister to our heart. What we need to do is we need to be people of his word, like like our children's pastors were talking this morning. We need to be people of the word. We, we know the word, but it's in his presence that God begins to connect the dots. It's in his presence that God begins to take what you put in sometimes in boredom. Is it only me that sometimes reading the Bible is boring to? Sometimes I'm thinking, ah, this is a big book. And there's a whole lot of things in here I don't understand. And I, I, I find myself, I just read two chapters and I have no idea what I read because I was thinking about something else. I gotta go back and I gotta go back over it. I've gotta force my heart to be engaged. But then I will find that when I'm in prayer in his presence, all of a sudden these passages I read before become alive. And God uses that what I put in there in boredom becomes the vocabulary he speaks to me in his presence. And if I didn't put it in, he didn't have anything to speak to me from. And so I have to allow, I have to give that time and get in his word and God begins to build a theology in us that he can then springboard off of and speak to our hearts. And then we have something to say. And we need to be people that learn to go out and come in before the people of God and before the world and to lead others. And there's something about David leading Israel corporately to go out into battle. There are a number of passages. We don't have time to get into all of it this morning. I would encourage you, do a search on this phrase, to go out and come in before the Lord. There are some passages, a clear allusion to battle, to warfare, that they would go out into battle David had to have the wisdom to take them as a nation into battle, but he also had to have the wisdom to lead them back into the nation after battle. Sometimes it's not the battle in prayer that is the hardest. Leif Hetland used to have this wonderful phrase, it's the battle you fight after the battle you won. 
You go out and have a great victory, and it's easy to forget who gave you the victory when you're living in victory. I remember years ago, the Lord really convicted me. I want to say it was Quimby Collier. I went to him for some counsel, one of my spiritual dads, and I was just struggling. And Quimby said this. He said, David, are you resting in God or from God? It was my day off. And on my days off, I would take a break from God because my vocation was ministry. And so on my day off, I wouldn't just take a rest from ministry. I took a rest from God. Yeah, I'll see you Tuesday, Lord. You know. <laughs> and the greatest rest is found in him. You know, I've watched movies with Jesus. Seriously, I've, I've had the presence of God on me, enjoying a movie, talking to him. Man, he'll talk to me through movies. You can do those things, recreation or recreation. That's what recreation is for. See, there's a difference between recreation and amusement. Recreation means recreation. You're getting a rest. You're reviving your soul. Amusement means without thought. I'm going to turn my brain off and veg. And that's a dangerous thing because that can lead you down paths to feed on things that God didn't intend you to feed on. Things that can pull you out of his presence. We need to learn to go out into battle, go out and deal with the stresses of life, but also to come in before the Lord and to come back and live that transient lifestyle. We're with the flock. Ooh, you, got, you know, you got to shovel stuff and, you know. And then you come back in. You leave the flock to pursue the flame. You know, Jesus would say no to the crowds. There are people that will tell you the need is the call. And I'm telling you that's not true. Because human need, there is no end to human need. The greatest need you have, the call is first and foremost a call to him. And then a call to them. My greatest responsibility as your pastor is to tend to my own heart before the Lord. My greatest responsibility is to make sure that I am getting with him and hearing from him and allowing him to tenderize me and correct me and give me something to say. And if I don't hear from him, you don't want to hear from me. You didn't have to say that so zealously. So, you know. No, it's true. I agree with you. You don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from him. And I've got I've to be an ear before I can be a voice. I, and that's true of all of us. This isn't just for those in vocational ministry. It's for all of us. We're all in the ministry. We're all called. And we're called first to him, then to them. You know how Paul ended up on these apostolic journeys, being the lead apostle of the New Testament and writing much of the New Testament, it says they were ministering to the Lord in prayer and fasting, and the Lord spoke, set aside Paul and Barnabas for me unto ministry. The ministry of Paul started with a fast, and he was ministering to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him and gave him marching orders. 
And a lot of people start right but don't end right because they get with the Lord, God touches them, they're tenderized, they go out, begin to give out, and the need is always pulling on them and they don't learn the discipline. They found how to go out but they don't know how to come back in. And so there is, they, they begin to feed on their reserves and they don't go back in and recreate with the Lord, in recreation with the Lord allowing the Lord to minister to their heart. And you can see it in Jesus' life. You can see it in this passage with Moses. He'd leave the flock to go to the flame. Then he'd leave the flame because he got his new marching orders and led a new flock. And there was this transition between the two that we need to learn. You moms, you need to learn to get with Jesus, however that looks for you, because you live a crazy life. Okay, I'm thinking of Emily Huffy right now. Do you see all these little ones around her all the time? Ankle biters, you know, she's, got, she's just got kids hanging off every limb. And I remember those days, oh my goodness. Now they come in as adults, feed me. But, you know, when, when we had little ones like you, I mean, we had, what was it, four kids in two and a half years. Yeah, four children in two and a half years. It was crazy. Our twins, we had three children in eight and a half months. Yeah, it was crazy. And so I remember, you know, just all the busyness of that life. You don't have the luxury of, oh, I'm going to just, I'm going to pull aside for two hours, lay all my study guides around, and I'm just going to soak in the Lord. You know, it's, it's, that's not going to work. But God will grace you in the rhythm of life, and it's going to look different for you than it does for me. But we need to learn to live in that rhythm of getting with him and giving, giving away. Getting from him and giving away. And so if we, if we can learn to come out and go in, and I'm just telling you, what is on the horizon from King Jesus, we are gonna have to learn that skill set. When you get with him, something comes on you that other people will want. And then the discipline becomes getting back in to get more. So that you don't just, you know, keep giving out the same old stuff. There's a reason the manna only lasted a day and it got moldy. Give us this day our daily bread. People don't want moldy bread. And so if we can learn to eat the bread of his presence every day and find that rhythm, I'm telling you, there's grace from heaven. Let me just close with this. I think it was Tuesday morning. might have been Wednesday morning. We were in here uh, praying in the morning. And Mary Berry, at the end of prayer, we all, all gathered up front. And Mary said, the Lord gave me this passage this morning. And she read the whole chapter, Psalm 63. And as soon as she started reading it, I'm like, oh my goodness. I was like being rained on. I said, read that again. She said, are you serious? The whole chapter? She gave it to Bonnie Hall. So Bonnie read it. Then Joyce read it in, in uh, the Passion Translation. And so I, just, I said, let's just pray that. And we just began to release what we were feeling. And, and I went into, I saw a picture in my mind. I saw a vision. It's nothing more than a picture in my mind. It wasn't an open vision. But I saw a picture of this table. The only way I can explain it is King James language. Heavy laden with food. And it was choice morsels. I mean, 
beautiful fruit, big grapes, and just this, these expensive meat, and just all this, and it was piled high on this table. And the Lord was saying, come and eat, come and eat. And uh, I didn't realize, because I was just getting touched when she was reading it, it says it right in that passage, that I will be satisfied with the choicest of foods. I should have been listening when she was reading. So I asked Winnie, and I asked little Winnie to pray. I said, pray this, just pray over us. And I just love when Winnie prays, man. She's got such authority. That little, she's, you know, power comes in small packages. She just starts, and she said, when I came in this morning, I saw a banqueting table laden down with goods. She saw it when she got here. And I felt it again this morning, and then Pam came over to me during worship. And she said, Pastor, the Lord spoke to me. It's time to push away from the calorie-less foods, the zero-calorie foods that fill our belly but don't really nourish us. The Lord wants us to feast on him this morning. Now that, oh, here it comes again. Hallelujah. There is an invitation to his table this morning. God wants you to feast on him. There is grace to learn the rhythm of feasting on him so you can give to others and then return and live that transitory life. Like Jesus, he would minister to the masses and then he would withdraw to a secret place and spend time with the Father. And then he'd come down and release some more kingdom whoop them. And he would do that again and again throughout his life. And there's grace from heaven for us to develop that discipline. I want you to stand. I want to just pray over you. I've got 53 seconds, and uh, we can land this thing on time. This is amazing. So put your hands up, would you? Father, I thank you. I thank you for what we felt in worship this morning. Lord, I thank you that we are a people of your presence. Now, Lord, I'm asking that you would release grace upon us, Lord. God, cultivate the hunger that Moses had, that we would not be a people that resist the inconvenience of pursuing you, Lord. But Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would cultivate within us and help us to partner with you, cultivating in our lives the discipline of going out of your presence and coming into your presence, of going out in the world and coming out of the world. Lord, that we would carry, we would drip with you, Lord. Father, I just bless this congregation, the people of your name, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give. 